thousand sunsets from ten thousand mornings, ten thousand chances to live the right way. But I would trade all my ten thousand sunsets. I could be like a Jesus for one single day. I'd walk on the water and heal the sick children. Feed all the hungry, give sight to the blind. I'd turn all the cannons and guns into flowers. Turn all the whiskey to sacrament wine. That's what I'd do. That's what I'd do. Spies Report. I'm Mike Bennett. In our last program, we explored the ways that modern electronic communications have changed the very structure of our brains, neural networks, and psychology, and the intentional exploitation of its functioning by means of the use of memes. At the conclusion of that show, due to the fixed length of the radio show, I was forced to skip the chilling final guidance our sighted Satanist and occultist meme maker gave us in how he and others would fashion the detailed structure of memes to infuse them with occultic power and influence, as well as some summary conclusions of the implications of these developments, truths we should acknowledge, and steps we should take accordingly. Therefore, although I like to wrap up these short subjects hermetically, excuse the pun, in nice, tidy, summary, theme-restricted shows, I feel the need to break that elegant organization practice to tack on uh, those important missing elements to the beginning of this show before we move on to an even more chilling but related subject. Accordingly, here is the final guidance our cited author, Tarl Warwick, gave us on how he and others construct memes to make them vessels of occultic power and influence. Now, writing on good meme structure, he writes, quote, If the meme is an image, it should be simplistic. Let it evoke a feeling such that it is able to be virtually used in any situation. If the idea being conveyed is textual, it should be preferably at a lower than collegiate reading level. No big words unless it is being used to imitate or mock highbrow speaking. In video form, the speaking ability of the occultist is of greatest import. What is said matters little. Now, this should evidently, I guess, function like a Rorschach test, 
not alleging to show any objective outer truth, but just being a vehicle for your inner psyche to reveal itself and perceive what it wants. Now he continues, quote, The human is driven first by the visual, and thus the visual is prime, and the reaction to images will invoke great emotion if properly fitted. The necessity of the human mind to do more complex interpretation with text means it causes the least response, but causes a response the most easily. The brain has to translate the text into image and sound mentally. Quote, Let the spiritual be veiled as it is in alchemy. Explicit spiritual overtones cause an explicit spiritual effect, but this variant has a smaller audience to replicate it. Rather, replicate the image first, and then describe the significance thereafter in a sort of two-step system. This is how Keck came into being in our plane of existence. It works. Hide away the meaning until you are prepared to unveil it. Now, in his section, Reality is Subjective in Human System, he writes, quote, People will often see what they wish to see. It happens in human psychology, especially when significant emotion is involved. Learn this lesson well, and you can manipulate reality however you wish, simply by being convincing. The madman and the visionary are ultimately separated only in that the madman has not yet convinced enough other people that his madness is correct and provides a framework upon which to understand reality. The visionary is just a madman with enough persuasion skills to convince a large enough audience that his own lunacy is reality. Now, I would say that this is nihilistic relativism at its very darkest. Now, he concludes by saying, quote, Of all occult practices, mimetics is one of the greatest import in human systems. Through manipulating human understanding, virtually every religion has emerged. Now, in summary of our discussion on mimetics, I'd just like to say, and, and also what the changes we've talked about in, in the last few weeks with the computer age and internet age has done to us, I, I would like to say that the miracle of the internet has given us a vast tool, but it has robbed us of our focus and attention and made us more susceptible to the skilled wolves in sheep's clothing online. Distractions may be more dangerous to the fulfillment of our earthly and spiritual destiny than the frontal attacks that we fear most. We have lost one of our most valuable human attributes in this era, our memory. Like someone who's had a lobotomy, or subject to brainwashing, or amnesia, or even dementia. We have to take charge of our online life and all other life-controlling behaviors. We must recognize that many of the memes we encounter when in social media often have far deeper impacts on our subconscious psyche and carefully designed by those who view their work as magical workings for unknown agendas who impact us in ways we don't recognize. And we must be responsible in how we expose ourselves to it and pass it on to others, like it was nitroglycerin or an atom bomb. Now, on to switch of subject. I want to talk about the background of military and intelligence communities in parapsychology. Uh, the Project Stargate was a secret army unit founded in 1978 at the Fort Meade Army Base 
by the Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA, and SRI, or Stanford Research Institute International. Its purpose was to study psychic phenomena for military and intelligence use. Related projects were Gondola Wish in 1977, Grill Flame in 78, Center Lane in 1983, Sunstreak in 1985, and until they were consolidated in 1991 as the Stargate Project, overseen then at that time by contractor SAIC. It was preceded by Scanate in 1970, and the Stanford Research Institute, SRI, began remote viewing research in 1972, also using Israeli psychic Yuri Geller. This, this whole program was exposed by the national muckraker journalist Jack Anderson in 1984. A major component of it was remote viewing, or concentrating and observing events at far distances. There were some successes, such as the locating of a missing Soviet spy plane in 1976. A leader was SRI scientist Hal Putoff, who claimed his remote viewing skills came from his higher levels he'd attained in Scientology, along with two others who made those claims. Ingo Swan was a very other uh, central figure in the remote viewing community and another high-level Scientologist, and was later uh, reported as reportedly feeding UFO contactee information to CIA and other officials. Now, this project was overseen by Lieutenant Frederick Skip Atwater, an aide and, quote, psychic headhunter for Major General Albert Stubblebine. Uh, Atwater later himself became a president of the Monroe Institute we'll be talking about. The $20 million project uh, that Stargate comprised including three psychics who were working at Fort Meade at the end of the program, one of them even using tarot cards, an official government business, was terminated and declassified in 1995 after a CIA report dismissed its utility. It was profiled semi-fictionally in the 2004 book and 2009 film with George Clooney and Jeff Bridges entitled Men Who Stare at Goats. This work was triggered by captured Soviet psychotronic research in the field so as to maintain a psychic capability parity with them, but it was possibly based on disinfo that was sent. Now, let's talk about a very unique person who developed a very unique capability that few people know about. Robert Monroe produced radio programs in the 1950s and had a radio network, including quiz shows, later became a pioneer in cable. And as a sideline, he began studies of the effects of audio signals on consciousness and in the development of sleep learning by 1956. He personally experienced a series of paralysis, bodily vibrations, and out-of-the-body incidents during sleep experiments in 1958. From this, he wrote his bestseller book, Journeys Out of the Body, in 1971, and other related books. He also pursued other business, and in particular, consciousness research, in Charlottesville, Virginia, outside Washington, in 1962 as the Monroe Institute. Well, as of recently, uh, over 20,000 people have completed its Gateway Experience training protocols during its first 30 years. Now, as we find out more about what that entailed, remember that, 20,000 people. This training uses what they call the hemi auditory method to alter human consciousness, 
often under conditions of sensory deprivation. The technique focuses on the use of offset binaural beats to synchronize brain lobes to create these unique effects. He and his business have had a very long relationship with the military since the 1970s at least. Now, there was a declassified document in 2002 uh, that was a 1978 Gondola Wish Assessment Report uh, from the 192nd Military Intelligence Group. Now, the following are quotations from this military report, which is accessible uh, online and I have a copy of. They say, quote, This office has been investigating, this is a military document, intelligence, remember, the intelligence threat posed by the Soviet state-of-the-art parapsychology since September 1977. This inv investigation revealed a serious threat posed by the Soviet parapsychological intelligence collection capability and demonstrated a need for a comprehensive countermeasures program. Quote, this report details the criteria under which the Monroe Institute of Applied Sciences, MIAS, Afton, Virginia, was selected as the organization to train MI or military intelligence personnel in parapsychological intelligence collection techniques so that they can mimic Soviet collectors in an Operation Security OPSEC support effort. This report is referred to, this project is referred to as Gondola Wish. These are all secret uh, paragraphs I'm quoting. Quote, the parapsychological technique is to be used is known as out-of-the-body experience, or OOBE. An OOBE is a parapsychological experience in what, which one's center of consciousness seems to be in a spatial location separate from that of one's physical body. An OOBE differs from what Stanford Research Institute, SRI, calls remote viewing. Quote, intense liaison with the CIA, DIA, and the Foreign Technology uh, Division, FTD of Air Force, which parenthetically I'll mention about nine years after that, they actually offered me a job, uh, which I declined, uh, was conducted prior to contacting MIAS in an attempt to determine any prior U.S. government evaluation of MIAS. A thorough study of scientific material concerning MIAS technology was conducted to evaluate the feasibility of the MIAS training technique. Appropriate security checks were made to ensure the loyalty of MIAS personnel. Quote, Robert A. Monroe, Executive Director MIAS, was eventually contacted and agreed to conduct a training program in OOBE for military intelligence personnel on a confidential basis for a fee of $2,000 during the month of October and November 1978. Uh, the payment uh, for the $2,000 training fee was approved by Brigadier General John A. Smith, Jr., Deputy Commander for Security, INSCOM, on 19 July 1978. During, quote, during March uh, 1978, the name Robert Monroe surfaced during a review of open-source literature concerning Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, a psychiatrist highly respected within the medical community for her work with terminally ill patients. Now, they don't mention why they were looking into her work as such, but they came into his name. Dr. Ross stated that she had undergone a training program in out-of-the-body experiences, OOBE, conducted by Robert Monroe, and succeeded in mastering his techniques without difficulty. Quote, an OOBE is a parapsychological experience, either spontaneous or induced, in which one's center of consciousness seems to be 
in a spatial location separate for that of one's physical body. Now, they continue to add, quote, This office queried DIA, or Defense Intelligence Agency, as to the advisability of contacting Robert Monroe, Individuals at DIA were knowledgeable of Monroe and stated that the CIA had shown interest in him in the 1973-74 time frame. DIA contacted the CIA and learned that the CIA had no interest in Monroe at the present time. DIA also contacted government scientific parapsychology experts at FTD. That's with the Air Force Base, right, Patterson? Didn't know they had parapsychology experts there who stated that they were most interested in Monroe's work, but had not as yet had the time to evaluate it. FTD recommended that Monroe be contacted, and recommended that they be kept informed of any work with Monroe, as his technique could have significant impact on their program. FTD has the mission to verify Soviet parapsychology research and development by duplicating known effort of the Soviets. To this end, contracts have in the past been let to SRI, because of their success with remote viewing. SRI has not dealt with OBE, even though there appears to be Soviet research and development in this area. This situation is a product of the 10-12 to 12 year scientific lag in parapsychology research suffered by the U.S. DIA then uh, queried SRI scientists about Monroe. SRI representatives said that they had not evaluated Monroe's teaching technique. Scientists at SRI, Dr. Targ and Dr. Putoff, also stated that they knew Monroe personally and believed him to be a credible individual who has parapsychological experiences which are not beyond present understanding. Quote, the, the training program offered by Monroe is in conjunction with the Institute is highly regarded by a number of individuals knowledgeable of parapsychological phenomena. Dr. Thelma Ross of the University of California at Los Angeles is aware of Monroe's work and researchers of altered states of consciousness at the Menninger Foundation, Topeka, Kansas, recently validated the concepts behind Monroe's patented technique with their Theta Gateway Principle. Dr. Charles Tart, professor of psychology at the Davis campus of the University of California, and a respected scientific investigator of parapsychology, has conducted investigations of Monroe under laboratory conditions and is convinced of the validity of Monroe's experience. Dr. Tart recently recommended that, quote, anyone wanting to learn about OOBE should contact MIAS as they were the most knowledgeable in the area. Now, they further continue and say, in 1958... Monroe, then a New York broadcasting executive, began having experiences that drastically altered his life. Unpredictably and without willing it, Monroe found himself leaving his physical body to travel via a second body to locales far removed from the physical and spiritual realities of his life. With some trepidation, he wrote a book about his experiences. The book, Journeys Out of the Body, was published in 1971 and brought out as a second edition in 1977. He relies upon personal experiences for interpretation, rather than any occult, religious, or spiritual framework. In the 1960s, Monroe became interested in the possible connection between nonverbal audio patterns and brainwave rhythms. From his long experience with sound, he advanced from rotating disc circuit breakers to sophisticated custom-built signal generators and the production of tape recordings in which she has as many as 16 patterns of sound 
mixed together on stereo channels. Now, quote, drawing upon his discoveries and the work of others, he employs a system of binaural beats to create a frequency following response, or FFR, by the brainwave rhythms. The FFR not only gives some control over the brainwave emission of each hemisphere, it also promotes brainwave synchronization between the two hemispheres. In May 1975, Monroe received a generic patent for this method. For approximately two years, Monroe has offered an instructional program using his audio technique for individuals who wish to expand their perspectives beyond the physical world. Monroe has recently expanded his training program and offers classes at several locations, CONUS or Continental U.S. wide. Monroe's public training program is not designed to engender OOBE as the requirements for such a state are different for each individual. The audio tapes used during the public training sessions reflect general audio patterns which have proven effective for a number of individuals and which are designed to aid in the inducement of an altered state of consciousness which may provide the student with an environment conducive to OOBE. However, by monitoring brainwave frequencies and receiving verbal feedback in a laboratory environment, Monroe can generate the OOBE state for individuals who are properly motivated and receptive. Now, quote, at this point it became necessary for this office to return to the scientific literature for further research because Monroe's technique involved altered states of consciousness, or ASC, Particular emphasis was placed on research which had been done concerning ASC and its relation to parapsychological phenomena. In all cases, it was found that the occurrence of parapsychological phenomena is always parallels in ASC. An ASC, or altered state of consciousness, is not unusual. Sleeping, daydreaming, or con concentrating on a problem can all be defined as an ASC. Brainwave frequencies are used to monitor ASC, and certain frequencies of brainwaves are characteristic of specific states. The delta range, 0.5 Hz to 4 Hz, is evidenced during sleep or when an individual is otherwise in consciousness. Alpha rhythms, from 8 Hz to 13 Hz, are associated with a more aware state than theta or delta. Alpha usually occurs when a person closes his eyes and relaxes for a moment. Uh, specific ASC can be induced by drugs, hypnosis, meditation, and other techniques. In Monroe's case, an ASC is induced and controlled by the means of audio stimulation. Without detailing specific, uh, scientific research of more than 80 experimental studies, the results of this research can be simply stated as follows. When the subject is in a state of sensory relaxation, minimally influenced by ordinary perception, and experiencing an ASC, parapsychological functioning is enhanced. On May 3, 1978, Monroe was given a security indoctrination on the sensitive nature of military intelligence involvement with him and his training program. Monroe agreed to keep all contact with this office, the government office, military, on a confidential basis and not to discuss our involvement with other members of MIAS, his own organization, the press, other government agencies, or anyone else. Monroe has agreed to train three military intelligence personnel in out-of-body experience, OOBE, at his laboratory during October and November 1978. This is to be a pilot training program. If the program is successful in generating the OOBE state, 
Further training with Monroe may be negotiated to refine the technique. Now, the report uh, CIA-RDP96-0778R00110002001-8 if you want to look it up yourself. It's available in the CIA reading room at the CIA website. It reveals major event meetings in a timeline of the Stargate project from September 1977 to January 1986. It reveals the establishment of Gondola Wish in September 1977, contacts with the Monroe Institute, or MIAS, shortly thereafter, and Grill Flame military operatives attending the Gateway training in September 1980, June 1982, November 1982, and one-on-one training of operatives in August and October, November 1983, and something called RAPT training, which we'll explain uh, for in-mass training, in November 1983, and a RAPT seminar in December 83 and January 84, with further MIS advanced training in July 84, and along with briefings to and approval from this process with the Secretary of the Army, the Undersecretary of Defense, and various congressmen, and even Vice President Bush on March 31, 1983. There are notes noting that the 30-minute, quote, briefing was well-received, and the Vice President was interested and impressed. Now, about this RAPT, which is known as Rapid Acquisition Personnel Training. This is what they did... Um, in training the trainers to take large groups of military members and give them this training capability. They say, uh, quote, this introductory lecture is, uh, by the way, this is, can be found at archive.org if you want to read it yourself. This introductory lecture is fundamentally a detailed explanation of the HEMASYNC process. The training session in and of itself produces only an encoding process to be used upon return to the normal pattern of the participant or when they went home. Therefore, it is important not to expect such immediate results. It is presumed that an explanation has been given as to the need for utilizing a binaural beat approach, utilizing headsets, and the operation of the CHEC units, which are basically sort of sensory deprivation uh, sleeping units. Uh, they should proceed to introduce RAPT-1, which is simply a basic introduction to the hemisync process and how it actually feels. Focus 10 is a state that develops very easily with hemisync, where the mind is awake and the body is asleep. The focus 10 state, mind awake, body asleep, does indeed let this consciousness, topped out by beta consciousness as we know it, filter down through the lower consciousness system, and therefore any encoding process that is used has a tendency to be installed throughout the entire self somewhat on the order of a Pavlovian conditioned response. Now, quote, brief for RAPT-5, which is an entirely new approach to the concept of food, nutrition, and food intake. We label it Nutritia. This is a system whereby you learn two encoding techniques, which are two sides of the same coin. The first that you learn is that you are able to encode your digestive system so that no matter how much you eat, only a limited number of calories will be extracted by your digestive system from the food you eat. This infers that if you eat 300,000 calories of food, you may extract only 1,000 calories or less from that food. By so encoding before a meal, your system will so act upon the food you eat to restrict the caloric restriction to a low figure as against a maximum amount. 
The second part of the encoding is the reverse side of the coin. By using this prior to any food intake, your digestive system will maximize the caloric intake from such food. This infers that one could eat a cup of rice and extract 2,000 calories from it, where normally it might only be 200 calories. It's a pretty broad and powerful technique. Now, this evolved in what they were called the Center Lane Project that involved the Monroe Institute, CIA, RDP-96, 00792R, 0001, 0014, 0041-7 of September, September, uh, February 1984. 251 Army intelligence candidates were selected for this parapsychology process. 30 to 35 were finalists that were selected. They say, quote, individuals who had objections to the military use of psychoenergetics were not considered for the final selection. Individuals who displayed an unreasonable enthusiasm for psychoenergetics, occult fanatics, or mystical zealots were not considered for final selection. These candidates were placed in Monroe's hemisync process. According to a July 22, 2017 article in Vice, this included the normal hemisync, astral plane, out-of-body experience learned technique. In this next section, uh, and, and I should mention uh, the concerns these people have, finally this was shut down by a general who thought this was actually a satanic type operation, and when we get into the next section, you'll understand why he may have thought that. In the next section, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of how the Monroe process took military intelligence officers and others onto the astral plane and into the past and future and encountering unknown beings. But I'm sure right now you'd rather like to hear some music for meditation. The following is by a very obscure Dutch band by the inspirational name of Influenza, reportedly recorded in Paris in 1968, and shortly thereafter they broke up. So enjoy the song Astral Plane, and then we'll be back to the Two Spies Report. Fly and let your mind fly As high as it may reach To a place called the Astral Plane Spies Report. I'm Mike Bennett. In our last second segment, we introduced the 
military intelligence interest in mind expansion and out-of-body experiences, or OBEs, as a means to gain mission effectiveness and counter-espionage. In this segment, we will delve into some details of the Monroe Institute's Hemisync process and the metaphysical powers it purports to give. The key process is the offset audio frequencies from one ear to the next, or binaural beats, which creates a low-frequency difference uh, frequency itself, which purportedly sends the mind into an altered state. The five phases of brain waves reflect the mind in these different uh, states of consciousness, from a delta wave of 1 to 4 hertz of deep dreamless sleep to theta at 4 to 7 hertz, which is deep relaxation and meditation, alpha of 8 to 12 hertz, which is relaxed, calm, lucid, not thinking, uh, beta, which is 12 to 30 hertz, awake, uh, alert, normal alert consciousness, and gamma of 30 to 100 hertz, which is peak performance. Now, back to another uh, CIA document. CIA RDP 96-00788-R-00170021-0016-5. From June 9, 1983. Very, very important document when it was discovered. Uh, called the Analysis and Assessment of the Gateway Process by Army Intelligence Command, Fort Meade. Uh, it was declassified in 2003. It and other documents set on a single computer in one room in a building for forever until a lot of work by others got it mass released in 2017 with the missing page released later in 2021, which is when I found out about this topic. Well, I will cite this report that comes from military intelligence written by Lieutenant Colonel Wayne McDonnell, commander of a detachment in this field, to the commander uh, there at uh, Fort Meade. This is completely an internal Army report, presumably to the INSCOM commander, Major General Stubblebine, about the means by which Monroe's hemisync process worked, and in particular the advanced gateway process, to the best of his scientific and metaphysical understanding, in response to the senior commander's directive. In the cover letter, he states, quote, Having gone to such great lengths to, tr to avoid trying to render judgments based on an occult or dogmatic frame of reference, in the end I found it necessary to return, at least briefly, to the question of the impact of the gateway experience on common belief systems. The danger exists that some people will reject the whole concept of the gateway experience in the mistaken belief that it contradicts and is therefore alien to all that they hold to be right and true. This study will make it a useful guide for other U.S. Uh, INSCOM or, or U.S. Army uh, Security and Intelligence Command personnel who are required to take the gateway training or work with gateway materials. He begins by describing how hypnosis, transcendental meditation, and biofeedback alter consciousness, and how they differ and have in common with the hemisync process. Of hypnosis, he notes that hypnosis, quote, permits acquisition of direct access to the right side of the human brain, following successful disengagement of the left hemisphere of the brain. The left hemisphere of the brain is the self-cognitive, verbal, and linear reasoning component of the mind. 
It fulfills the function of screening incoming stimuli by categorizing, assessing, and assigning meaning prior to allowing passage to the right hemisphere of the mind. The right hemisphere, which functions as the non-critical, holistic, nonverbal, and pattern-oriented component of the brain, appears to accept what the left hemisphere passes to it without question. Consequently, if the left hemisphere can be distracted, either through boredom or through reduction to soporific semi-sleep state, external stimuli to include hypnotic suggestions are allowed to pass unchallenged into the right hemisphere where they accepted and acted upon directly. Hypnosis may be used to accelerate project in the early stages of the gateway experience. And I want to make sure you understand that. The key components are um, taking the left, discerning, judging, um, very careful side of your brain, the left side, out of the equation, put it to sleep. Let the right side of the brain, which accepts anything that it comes in contact with, and intentionally do that to provide it information that your prior morals, scruples, other beliefs would otherwise hold back or be skeptical of. And there's so many other techniques, including his hypnosis and many other techniques that use the same techniques. And many ways are done it, particularly uh, by putting the brain into the alpha wave brain state, which greatly facilitates this. Uh, you'll see that Hemisync uses that and many, many other more benign looking techniques use the same thing, but not necessarily with the results. He notes that transcendental meditation comprises, quote, single-minded concentration on the process of drawing energy up the spinal cord, what we would call the kundalini up the chakras in New Age talk, ultimately results in what appears to be creation of acoustical standing waves in the cerebral ventricles, which are then conducted to the gray matter in the cerebral cortex on the right side of the brain. Standing acoustic waves are the result of the altered rhythm of heart sounds, which are occasioned by prolonged practice of meditation. Uh, setting up sympathetic vibration in the walls of the fluid-filled cavities which comprise the third and lateral ventricles of the brain. Although normally a period of meditation involving intense concentration and practice for five years or so is required to bring up the kundalini, exposure to mechanical or acoustical vibrations in the range of four to seven hertz cycles per second for protracted periods may achieve the same effect. So you can go around all this long, lengthy, uh, you know, being a disciple and up in the mountains or whatever to get these techniques through deprivation and other uh, techniques. You can circumvent that via technology versus this approach and do it immediately. Alternatively, he writes, quote, biofeedback is somewhat unique in that it actually employs the self-cognitive powers of the left hemisphere to gain access to such areas in the right brain. So that's something that distinguishes biofeedback. It doesn't ask you to surrender the discerning capability of your left side of your brain. And I'll just remind you, in this 29-page 29 page report, I am paraphrasing sections uh, because I can't recite all of it now. So feel free to read it yourself. Now, he writes that, quote, The gateway experience is a training system designed to bring enhanced strength, focus and coherence to the amplitude and frequency of brainwave output between the left and right hemispheres so as to alter consciousness, moving it outside the physical sphere so as to ultimately escape even the restrictions of time and space. 
The participant then gains access to various levels of intuitive knowledge which the universe offers. A state of consciousness defined when the EEG patterns of both hemispheres are simultaneously equal in amplitude and frequency. Studies conducted at the Manager Foundation have found that a subject with 20 years of training in Zen meditation could consistently establish hemisync at will, sustaining it for over 15 minutes. But you can do this now immediately. Now, again, this is a military officer speaking to a general in military speak. He says, once our two brain lobe waves are coherent and resonant, he adds that the higher order perception receives higher level universal truths with, quote, such meaning is usually perceived visually in the form of symbols. Think of memes but may also be perceived as astonishing flashes of holistic intuition, or even in the form of scenarios involving both visual and oral perception. He further adds that, quote, The gateway system uses hemisync and other audio techniques, employing the FFR, frequency following response, phenomenon, to introduce a variety of frequencies which are played at virtually subliminal, marginally audible level. The objective is to relax the left hemisphere of the brain place the physical body in a virtual sleep state, and bring the left and right hemispheres into coherence under conditions designed to promote the production of ever higher amplitude and frequency of brain output. Audible and perhaps subliminal suggestions by Bob Monroe accompany the various brainwave frequencies, which are sometimes rolled in together with other sounds such as sea surf to mask the sound frequencies where desirable. In this way, Gateway endeavors to provide the subject with the tools by which he may alter his consciousness based on his own volition over time through the repetitive use of the tapes so as to access, via intuitive means, new categories of information not available to ordinary consciousness. To which I add that after the subliminal, uh, subliminal suggestions he puts in that you don't know what they are, is it truly of their own volition to continue? He notes research which suggests that with Gateway, quote, the entire body, based on its own micromotion, functions as a tuned vibrational system which transfers energy in a range from between 6.8 to 7.5 hertz into the Earth's ionic or ionospheric cavity, which itself resonates at about 7 to 7.5 hertz. This is occurring at a very long wavelength of about 40,000 kilometers or just about the perimeter of the planet. In other words, the signal from the movement of our bodies will travel around the world in one-seventh of a second through the electrostatic field in which we are embedded. Such a long wavelength knows no obstacles, and its strength does not attenuate much over distances. Naturally, it will go through just about anything, metal, concrete, water, in the fields making up our bodies. It is the ideal medium for conveying a telepathic signal. He adds, Quote, as the body is turned into a coherent oscillator vibrating in harmony with the surrounding electrostatic medium, the specific exercises included in the gateway tapes enjoin the participant to build up the energy field surrounding his body, presumably by using energy from the Earth's field in which the body is now in training because of its ability to resonate with it. This promotes movement of the seed of consciousness into the surrounding environment. And it also promotes enhancement of bodily energy levels to a point adequate to permit the subject to experience an out-of-body movement when he is ready to do so. And the human body creates a surprisingly powerful carrier wave to assist the mind in communication activity 
with other human minds similarly tuned. Now, the author spends a good bit of time in this report recounting cutting-edge physics and postulated physics and metaphysics to suggest an interface between matter, energy, time, and consciousness and the size of the whole universe, and then suggests the following on how Hemisync process can exploit it. He says, although human consciousness can, with enough practice, move beyond the dimension of time-space and interface with other energy systems and other dimensions, I don't know who those energy systems are, the entire process is appreciably enhanced if that consciousness can be detached in large measure from the physical body before such interface is attempted. Once an individual becomes proficient in the technique of out of body movement, or what we would call astral projection, and then reaches the point where he is able to break out of the time space while out of his body, he gains the advantage of clicking out part of his enhanced consciousness while starting from a base located much closer to the dimensions with which he wishes to communicate. In other words, since he is starting from a point much higher up, to use an analogy from time-space context, that part of his consciousness involved in clicking out will have that much more time to interact in dimensions beyond time-space. Once the individual is able to project his consciousness beyond time-space, that consciousness will logically tend to entrain its frequency output with the new energy environment to which it is exposed, therein greatly enhancing the extent to which individuals' altered consciousness may be further modified. As a result, a self-reinforcing process should ensue whereby the farther consciousness in the out-of-state body can be projected beyond the time-space dimension, the more its level of energy output will be enhanced, thus promoting the potential for still further travel, far, far away from your body. The tentative conclusion to be drawn is that an out-of-body state may be regarded as an extremely effective way of accelerating the process of enhancing consciousness and interfacing with dimensions beyond time-space. If the practitioner of the gateway technique has a choice of concentrating on achieving and exploiting the out-of-body experience, as opposed to concentrating his full efforts on expanding his consciousness exclusively from a physical base, the former would appear to promise much faster and more impressive successes than the latter. So, you need to get out of your body first. The author proposes theories from, again, this is from a military officer to a higher level officer, that reality is an is a type of Eastern religion-type model of a toroid that forever cycles, like a reincarnation concept. And as we will eventually get absorbed into the absolute, he notes that an absorbed individual conscience, or person, quote, retains the power to perceive, but loses the power of will or choice. In exchange, however, this consciousness participates in the all-knowing infinite continuum of consciousness. Without will or choice, does that sound appealing to you? Now, techniques they recommend to access these higher planes via the gateway process, including the following. The sensitivity of his nervous system, his general state of mind, and the extent to which he may have previously developed facility in related techniques such as transcendental meditation are all pertinent factors affecting the speed at which uh, he may progress. The, the gateway process begins by teaching the individual participant to isolate extraneous concerns in a visualization device called an energy conversion box. Next, the participant is introduced to a method of encouraging his mind and body to achieve a state of resonance through utterance of a single tone, a monotonous protracted humming sound that sets up a feeling of vibration, particularly in the head. He engages in this resonant tuning as he's called 
by humming along with the chorus of sounds that are contained on the gateway tape. And sounds like a mantra to me, an ohm. Following this, the participant is exposed to the gateway affirmation and is encouraged to repeat it to himself as he hears it repeated on the tape. This affirmation is a statement to the effect that the individual realizes that he is more than merely a physical body and that he deeply desires to expand his consciousness. Quote, after that, he's exposed for the first time to the hemisync sound frequencies and is encouraged to focus on and develop a perception of an appreciation for those feelings which accompany the synchronization of brain waves that result. Next comes a technique of progressive and systematic physical relaxation. While the hemisync frequencies are expanded to include additional forms of pink and white noise designed to put the physical body at the virtual threshold of sleep, as well as to calm the left hemisphere of the mind while raising the right hemisphere to a state of enlightened attentiveness. Once all of this is achieved, the participant is invited to envision creation of a, quote, energy balloon comprised of an energy flow beginning at the center of the top of the head and extending down in all directions to the feet. Now catch this. It is also intended, this is what a military officer who's gone through this says, it is designed to provide protection against conscious entities possessing lower energy levels, which the participant might encounter in the event he achieves an out-of-body state. It serves a precautionary purpose in the unlikely event that the participant's first out-of-body experience involves direct projection outside the terrestrial sphere. What the? Did you hear that? It sounds like uh, principalities and powers that are in the second heaven outside the terrestrial sphere. Now, these affirmations and what I would call new thought, mind over matter, name it and claim it, will and reality, things like the secret, um, these all have the same kind of techniques. And he says, quote, This technique involves use of the consciousness to achieve the desired objectives in the physical, emotional, or intellectual sphere. It involves concentrating on the desired objective while in a focused 12 state, extension of the individual's perception of that objective into the whole expanded consciousness, and its projection into the universe with the intention that the desired objective is already a matter of established achievement, which is destined to be realized within the time frame specified. Monroe, now, this is basically you're sort of naming it and claiming it that it's already happened, whatever you want to force your will on, on your environment. Now, Monroe trainers caution against attempting to force the pace of this process because, now listen, the individual could succeed in dislocating his existing reality with drastic consequences. It's good to know. Now, their focus 15, travel in the past. This is what they teach the military people. The technique of time travel into the past involves further expansion of consciousness through the inclusion of additional levels of sound on the hemisync tapes. And the science he talked about earlier suggests how this can be done in, in time space. Other aspects of the added sound patterns appear to be designed to provide subtle, almost subliminal suggestions to the mind as to what is desired by way of further expanded consciousness, so as to support the verbal suggestions and instructions also contained on the tape. Even the instructions are highly symbolic, with time being visualized as a huge wheel in the universe with various spokes, each of which gives access to a different part of the participant's past. Probably less than 5% of all participants in any given gateway experience actually achieve the Focus 15 state during the course of the approximately seven days of training. 
Nevertheless, Monroe Institute trainers affirm that with enough practice, eventually Focus 15 can be achieved. They also state that not only the individual's past history is available for examination by one who's achieved it, but other aspects of the past and with which the individual himself has had no connection may also be accessed. So this is not just some kind of dream that you're going back to. Focus 21, the future. The last and most advanced of all focus states associated with the gateway training program involves movement outside the boundaries of the time space as in focus 15, but with attention to discovering the future rather than the past. The individual who's achieved this state has reached a truly advanced level. Except in unusual circumstances, it is probably not attainable except by those who have conditioned themselves through long application of meditation or by those who have practiced long and hard through the use of the hemisync tapes for a period of months, if not years. Now, out-of-body movement. In order to assist the participant in the particular hemisync tape concerned with that technique, it employs beta signals of around 2,877.3 cycles per second. Since 30 to 40 cycles per second is considered to be the normal range for beta brainwave signals, um, Bob Monroe informed the Gateway class that finished Salmon May 1983 that an ex-trainer of his operation in Charlottesville found that he could guarantee out-of-body movements by bringing participants down into a rapid eye movement, a REM state of sleep, and then used the hemiseq tape technique. REM sleep involves nearly complete suppression of consciousness in the left brain hemisphere. It leaves the right brain uh, hemisphere of the brain free to respond to the instructions and suggestions contained in the gateway tape. Now, quote, the rate of progress is so much faster with the gateway approach than it is with transcendental meditations or other forms of mental self-discipline, and its horizons seem to be so much wider that the discipline needed to practice it would seem to be within the means of even the impatient, result-oriented, skeptical pragmatist of our society. Unlike yoga or other forms of Eastern mental discipline, gateway does not require the infinite patience and total personal subservience to and faith in a system of discipline designed to absorb all of the individual's energy over most of a lifetime. Rather, it will begin to produce at least minimal results within a relatively short time, which is really, when you think about it, perfect for the Internet generation. Uh, Eastern religions try to distill out people who are impetuous or self-serving for people who are willing to pay their dues and to learn their insights in a responsible way. Well, technology takes you completely around that uh, frustrating limitation. Now, here's some conclusions from the military analysis. He says, quote, If the time needed to reach, reach advanced state of altered consciousness is to be brought within more manageable limits from the standpoint of establishing an organization-wide exploitation of Gateway's potential. Now, that means the Army, using an Army-wide, using this out-of-body experience. He says, quote, Begin by using the Gateway hemisync tapes to achieve enhanced brain focus and to induce hemisphere synchronization. Then add strong REM sleep frequencies to induce left brain quiescence and deep physical relaxation. Repeat steps A and B following use of the auto-hypnotic suggestion that an an out-of-body movement will occur and be remembered. Then repeat it to achieve facility in gaining out-of-body state under conscious control. Approach focus 15 and 21, escaping time-space and interacting with new dimensions from an out-of-body perspective. Now here's the most important thing. 
be intellectually prepared to react to possible encounters with intelligent, non-corporal energy forms when time-space boundaries are exceeded. Arrange to have groups of people in Focus 12 state uh, unite their altered consciousness to build holographic patterns around sensitive areas to repulse possible unwanted out-of-body presences. Yikes. Who and what are these um, non-corporal energy forms and uh, these unwanted out-of-body presences? What are they and why are they not more concerned about them? Now, um, I think I'm going to have to call it a day at that. Um, there was a journalist that went there and found out that people were having nervous breakdowns when they had this, but I may have to share that for another time. Uh, it totally destroyed some of the people that were there where they had to be carted off um, when they witnessed it. But, friends, that's another edition of the Two Spies Report. We're out of time. That's a lot to digest, but we'll return and consider some of the dark paths taken in the quest for greater knowledge in our recent era and some more practical techniques that should still give us pause. Send any comments about the show or questions to twospiesreport at gmail.com. And join us back here at 5 Central each Thursday at Radio Free Nashville, WRFN at 107.1 and 103.7 FM, or streaming live at radiofreenashville.org. See you next Thursday at 5. Until then, keep exploring like the two spies, assessing and staying positive, and be willing to stand against the crowd. Good evening. Walking down the road with the good book in my hand Telling all my friends about the crime